Lithuania. I'm still not used to doing this all by myself. But do pray that everyone is doing well um, this evening, that, that things are going well. We had a wonderful day today, beautiful day. Um, so thank the Lord for that. Um, so thank the Lord for all of his many blessings. Um, I think it would be good if we were to open uh, just with a word of prayer to, today. So just going to ask that the Lord would, would bless us in our study tonight and that he would quickly uh, bring us back together. hope to bring you some updates here just uh, the next day or two about some of the way that we're doing, doing services. And um, we will be continuing to stream. But, um, but I hope to, to bring you some, some good news and some updates for, for that. But, um, but if we could, let's just pray you in your home right now wherever you may be um, just going to pray that in the next few moments that the Lord would, would bless us as we look at his word then here um, this afternoon studying and praying um, we've got a lot of things that are coming up um, this is a special week in Christian tradition it is considered uh, the holy week and um, this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday um, that being said, we may not be able to worship the way that we would like to in the manner that we would like to, uh, but don't allow your circumstances and the events of recent days to negate uh, the miracle that is Easter. Uh, the power of the resurrection is still very real. We had that uh, displayed for us um, this past weekend. We thank the Lord uh, for Sister Jennifer that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost um, in our service this weekend, we were not all together, but uh, she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we thank the Lord for that. That that is awesome, and we praise the Lord for that. Um, been something that we I've been praying for personally. I wanted uh, someone to experience that, and I, and I thank the Lord. And I, I don't believe that she is going to be the last one. I believe that there are going to be many lives that are going to be impacted. Um, through all of this. It's amazing how God can take dark times and turn it into wonderful times. So I, before we go any further, let's just pray. Thank you, Father, Lord, for all that you do. Lord, I want to thank you and I want to give you praise for filling Sister Jennifer with your spirit, Lord. I praise you for that. Lord, you did that as a testimony of your love your mercy for her, but Lord, we also can see that in dark times you are still moving. Lord, you are not hampered. You are not hamstrung. You are not hurt by the events that are going on. You are still powerful and you are still able. Lord, I pray right now that you would lead us in your word tonight. Lord, we want to be fed of your spirit tonight and we want to be fed of the sword of the spirit. Lord, I pray right now that you would bless our minds and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, just being transparent, again, this is this is the hard part for me. When I teach, uh, I love to have interaction with people. I love to be able to, to see people's faces. So when I'm, I'm in a teaching format, um, this is, is quite a bit harder for me. So just bear with me and, and pray for me as I know that you are. And can I, before I go much further, uh, as pastor of this assembly, can I say, I made a Facebook post yesterday, um, but 
I am honestly blown away and overwhelmed by the goodness of this church. Other, other pastors, they may be struggling during this time, um, but you as a congregation have shown in recent days how special you really are. And can I say thank you as a pastor? I, I, I honestly, um, the, the number of people that have called, have texted encouragement, uh, let me know that you're praying. And it's not just cliche, hey, praying for you. I, I can tell that you're really, really praying. You're bringing food so me and my family don't have to get out and expose ourselves. I mean, not that we're better than anybody else. Just calling to, to check on us. I mean, honestly, I am blown away. And then you go even further into your faithfulness to the house of God and in, in taking part in these services um, that you, you'll let me know after. I get phone calls. Hey, that was great. Um, we enjoyed the service. Wish we could be together. Get phone calls like that. Your faithfulness and giving uh, still to, to the work of God. Um, you, you deserve a pat on the back. You are a phenomenal, phenomenal people. And I'm blessed to be able to call, be called your pastor. And I, I don't, those are not empty words. And I, I feel inadequate in, in saying it and describing to you how I really feel. But I honestly have been overwhelmed just in, in recent days. So, uh, thank you again. You are, you are a wonderful group of people. And if you're watching this for some reason, you don't have a church home, let me tell you, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better group of people than the people here at Apostolic Faith Tabernacle. They are just phenomenal people. Um, but that being said, let's go ahead and, and look at what the Word of God has to say uh, to us tonight. I was here praying this afternoon, and I said, Lord, I want, I want true words. I, uh, not that there's times that I want to preach false words, but... Uh, in times like this, you really, really want to impact somebody. And there's a passage of Scripture that many have used in, in recent days. It's found in the book of 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Uh, and we'll just read through it together. If you have a Bible there handy, it might be good for you to, to look it up. I've not got the equipment in, in place where I could uh, project the words out to you. I wish I did, but... Um, we're, we're learning as we go here. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, there's been a lot that's been asking, hey, is this the last, uh, are we in the last days? Or, you know, hey, or is, this, is this it? Um, going to give you my honest opinion. My honest opinion is this. Uh, I do not believe that the coronavirus is going to end the world. I'm going to, I'm going to, just put that out there. Now, that being said, is it putting some things in motion that could be used later? I absolutely do believe that. Uh, but uh, in the, let's know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Uh, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, we've already started to see some of this. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Let me stop again here for just a moment. It's interesting to me how people will look at all the events of recent days and all the events of COVID-19, and they'll look at that as a sign of the end of the time, end of times, but we ignore all this other stuff that has been happening. Uh, most of what I've read to you here in 2 Timothy um, 
chapter 3, these are not new things. These are things that uh, two or three months ago, before all of this really had, had broken out, we could still point to some of these things. So we still had things that were pointing to the times before uh, the events of, of recent days. But verse 5 says something that's very striking to me tonight. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Can I tell you that in times such as this, the enemy will love, the enemy will love to operate as a distraction, um, and he will even disguise himself as, as being godly. Um, perhaps a better word there would be being spiritual. There are people that in times like this that love to appear spiritual. But in appearing spiritual, they also deny the true power of the resurrection that we're going to be celebrating on Sunday. And, and Timothy, or and Paul writing to Timothy says, From such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The most important thing that you can know may not be the answer to the question that people are asking right now. People are asking, oh, when, when's the Lord coming back? And, and, and when's, when's this going to happen? When's that, when is that going to happen? When is all of this going to be over? That's not the most important thing that you can know right now because Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The most important thing that you can know is the truth of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the truth of salvation. That is the most important thing that you can know. We can never allow ourselves to get distracted from that central truth. It should be the thing that we build the rest of our life on. Jesus put it this way. When they asked him what is the greatest commandment, and he told them what the greatest commandment was, but he described it and he said this. He said, on this do all the prophets and the law swinged. On this do they all hinge. <coughs> he said, it is, <coughs> excuse me, it is the hinge pin that everything else hangs on. Everything else in scripture hangs upon salvation. If you don't get that right, nothing else matters. You, you can figure out when the Lord's coming back, but you haven't figured out salvation. It doesn't matter. If you can figure out who, who uh, uh, the, the uh, well, I got a, a loss here, uh, that, that Cain married, that, that Seth married, if you can figure that out, but you can't figure out salvation, it doesn't really matter. If you can figure out the origin of Melchizedek, but you can't figure out salvation, it doesn't matter. The most important thing that you can figure out is how to be saved. That is the most important thing. So he said, they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist, and here's how you can tell, the truth. If they resist the truth, they'll let you know that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power uh, of it. So he said, uh, so that, that they will resist the truth, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be made manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou shalt know, thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. Here Paul's talking about things that he went through, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, it's interesting that he would write this. 
because he, he's telling them, this is in the book of 2 Timothy, he's telling them, the Lord delivered me out of all of these. But in the very next chapter, Paul's fixing to write that I'm now ready to be offered my time of my departures at hand. Paul realized he's probably not delivering me out of this one. So he's saying, my relationship with God is not determined by what God does and does not bring me out of. He said, God established his relationship with me way back on Calvary, what he did for me on Calvary, and in overcoming death, hell, and the grave. So he said, he delivered me out of all, all of those, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But verse 14 is what I wanted to get to. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He said there's going to be people that do miracles. There's going to be people that go through persecution. There's going to be people that are delivered from, from persecution. There's going to be people that have good days. You're going to have bad days. He said, but what you've got to continue in, you've got to continue in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing where you learned them. Now, where did you learn them? From the, from the Bible, from the Word of God. He said, you've got to have biblical truth. Why? Because verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. He was telling Timothy, he said, there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, there's going to be dangerous times that come, but what you've got to hang on to is the Word of God. And if what you're hearing contradicts the Word of God, rest assured that it is not of God. Before all of this broke out, our measuring stick was the Word of God. If you've said in this congregation, you've heard that taught here before, what does the Bible say? And that's what we go by. You can't go by what you feel. Well, I just feel like God's going to do this, or I feel like God's going to do that. Let me tell you, your, your feelings, your emotions will deceive you. But the Word of God will never deceive you. What you feel can change from one day to the next, but the Word of God is constant throughout time. So there was a phrase that went over, kept going over and over in my mind today, and that was this, hold fast. Hold fast. Proverbs 4 and 13 says, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. See, there's a lot of things that we're having to let go right now, but there are things that we need to let go right now, but there are other things that we need to get a hold of and hold fast to them. And then Revelation 2 and 25 says, But that which ye have already, hold fast. Till I come. The most important thing in these last days, and, and that's what we're all working up to, is that we get a hold of something we know is going to bring us through. So there's a lot of people that's, that's learning a concept now because there's a lot of people that are praying. In fact, we're going to be taking part of a prayer chain on Friday, uh, praying for our nation, praying for those that are sick. They're praying for this COVID-19 to end. And I'm praying for it to end. We should be praying for it to end. But if it doesn't end tonight, that doesn't mean that God's not on the throne. I pray today, and I pray uh, most every day, Lord, protect my family, protect my church, protect my community. I've prayed those things. 
But, you know, now I was praying those things and when, before there were cases in, even in Howe County, Lord protect my county. But now that there's cases in Howe County, does that mean that God's not in charge? Absolutely not. Because there's a concept that we need to realize and that is there's a concept of divine delay. Because our time frame and God's time frame can be completely different. Absolutely, I want God to move and I want it to be over right now. I want it I want it to be done. I want our nation to go back to normal. I, I want people that are sick to be healed. I want that. And absolutely, God can do that. But we also need to realize that there is this concept of divine delay. It wasn't that long ago that I was preaching uh, about, about Lazarus in John chapter number 11. And I pointed out all three uh, different groups of people, if you will. You had Martha. You had Mary, and then you had the group of the people that were at the tomb, and all three of them said the same thing. They said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But it very clearly states in that chapter that Jesus knew he was sick, yet he didn't move. He didn't go. He delayed in his coming. He delayed in showing up on the situation. There are many people praying for things to change right now. And again, we should continue to pray for things to change. But there are people that are learning right now a concept of divine delay. There are times that God will just wait. That he's not going to move exactly when you and I can, would ask him to, to, to move. Because what, what happens is that is a real... I don't want to say testing of our faith because it's we, we a lot of times we say that and we think well I passed the test that means I'm going to get a, a, a reward now really more than anything else it's that's where he's teaching us to have faith you never get faith in the reward you always get you get you allow your faith to grow while you're waiting for the reward while you're waiting for the blessing and so faith grows in that waiting time um, and if you don't learn that lesson, it can have disastrous consequences. One that did not uh, learn the lesson was King Saul. First uh, Samuel chapter 13, verse 8, it says, And he tarried, talking about Saul, seven days, according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. Saul waited seven days. That's how long he was supposed to wait. Just thinking back on this thing, we were told first, 15 days to flatten the curve. And I'm not making a political speech. We were told 15 days to flatten the curve. 15 days have passed. We were hoping it would be over. There was a statement made earlier that we hope the nation is back to normal, back at work by Easter. It's, it's not going to happen. And, and so there are things that were supposed to happen that haven't happened. Now, I know those are, are physical examples, but there's things also that spiritually that we wait for, we feel like they were supposed to happen, and time passes and it doesn't. That doesn't mean that, that the answer is not coming. It could be that we're learning the lesson of divine delay. Are we willing to follow the Word of God even when we don't really see immediate results. Can I tell you, some of the most powerful things, powerful things in your life will be the things that you wait for, that you will convince yourself that they're coming soon, they're going to be here quick, but they don't, and so you just have to wait, and you have to wait, and you have to wait. 
God hasn't forgotten. God's going to honor his word. He's not a man that he should lie. But when those things come to pass, when those things happen, when understanding comes, let me tell you, that's going to be something that you can lay hold of. That's, that's going to be a treasure that nobody can steal from you. Saul, he was waiting, but he didn't learn the lesson of divine delay because when the time set, the time that he felt like he should wait had passed, he said, you know what? I'm going to step up. And when he stepped up and he called for the sacrifice and he did something that he was not anointed to do, it cost him the kingdom. Let me tell you, if you don't learn the lesson of divine delay, the prices that you pay can be astronomical. Abraham didn't learn the lesson of divine delay early. And it, it cost him a great price. It cost him peace in his home. We're still paying the price today. It was divine delay. Well, he said, well, this window of time was when the miracle can happen, and it didn't happen. And so he tried to fix it on your own. Can I tell you, God doesn't need our help. God's still in control. We remain faithful to him. We remain steadfast in our walking with him, doing what we know to do. And God will come through. God's word is true. Uh, there's an event in scripture that's been, been going over in my mind today that I think a lot of us can relate to. And at first, it may not seem like that's the case, but uh, this is really the meat of what I want, wanted to bring to you tonight. It's found in Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus 32, uh, verse 7, and, and the events here, they're, they're very familiar. Um, it's not an obscure place in, in scripture. But Exodus 32, verse 7 says, The Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people... Did you catch that? The Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down, thy people. He said, They're your people. Uh, I don't ever want to be in a place that God says, Those aren't my people. If there was ever a time that we need God to say, Those are my people, it's right now. The Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. He said, how quick have they turned aside? How quick have they forgotten who I am? Now, if you've ever read through the book of Exodus, you may not can understand the complete power of this statement because the book of Exodus is, is a lengthy book. And so we're 32 chapters into the book of Exodus by this point, and it does cover a, an extreme amount of time. The first uh, few chapters cover a broad span of time because you've got Moses being born, then living, he was 40 years old, he left Egypt, then he lives in the wilderness for 40 years before he comes back and stands before Pharaoh. For, before Pharaoh. So for the first few chapters, there's 80 years being covered. But when Moses comes back, the time frame covered by the book of Exodus is actually very short. And uh, there's not a lot of time that is passing. Because what you see right here, he said they've quickly corrupted themselves. You're only talking about a few months' time from the time that they were in captivity to Egypt until this point in time. I mean, it's two or three months probably at most. He said how quick they forgot. I mean, they're just a couple of months away from the Lord, passing through the land. So they have turned aside quickly out of the way. 
Things can change quickly. I mean, how much has our society changed in this 90 days? Said so they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which they have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Which that in itself is just a ludicrous statement because just a few months before in Exodus 12, he said, I'm going to pass through the land and I'm going to execute judgment on all the gods of Israel. That's in Exodus 12 that he said that. God said, I'm going to, I'm going to execute judgment on them. So what is it that could lead people <clears throat> to so quickly, so quickly turn their back on, on the things of God? And what I fear in this day and age is that, that it was because the people had lost their connection to God. You, you look, and what happened is these people were connected to God. They were hearing from God on a regular basis, but it was through Moses. You can read earlier in the book of Exodus that God gave the people opportunity to hear from Moses, or, or Moses gave people an opportunity to hear from God, and the people's response was fear. And they said, we don't really want to deal with this. What we would prefer, Moses, is that you go talk to God, and then you come and tell us what he said. God's original plan was for him to speak to them from the mountain. See, God's never planned for your relationship with God to be channeled through somebody else. Your relationship with Him was never supposed to go through a friend, a spouse, your, your parents, your pastor. Your relationship with God was never designed to be funneled through somebody else. It was always designed to be a direct connection with you. And the reason for that is you can see it right here in the book of Exodus chapter 32. When your relationship with God is dependent upon somebody else, you've got somebody that is that bridge from God to you. When that bridge gets severed, very quickly people turn in to idolatry. They, they go into that place of idolatry. These people, they, they had Moses that was their connection when he was taken away now they're worshiping a golden calf. And it didn't take very long either. And what I fear is happening in a lot of places and a lot of churches today is that church, that ability to come together on Sunday, that was people's connection to God. That was the bridge. They, they made the connection to God through, through the people around them, whether that be husband, wife, friend, neighbor, confidant, cousin, whatever, pastor, that was their bridge to God. Now in our society, that has been taken away. And there's been a lot of people that are having to examine their connection to God because that being taken away, there is that temptation to go into idolatry because no longer do they have that opportunity to have that connection to God. And God, you know, Jesus told us, he said, I'm a comforter. They don't have that comfort anymore. And so they're having to find comfort in other things whether that be entertainment, whether that, that be in, in talking more to people on the phone, whether that be in hobbies. That's why a lot of people are going stir crazy right now. All their idols have been destroyed. All their places of comfort have been destroyed. A lot of people are finding what you thought was spiritual 
It was really a bridge to God. And God, God is trying to do right now is rebuild that bridge, not going through another person, but directly from him to you. Now, what that is not saying is that you don't need a pastor. You still need authority in your life. It is not saying that you don't need a church. You still need somebody that can hold you accountable. And when, when I look forward to today that we can assemble together, you still need those things in your life. But your relationship with God is supposed to be a direct connection. It's not supposed to go through somebody else. So all these people, what led them to that point? Well, the verse, first verse of Exodus 32 says this, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, their connection had been broken. He was in the mountain. He was a long time up there, 40 days. 40 days he had been up there, not quite six weeks. And their whole relationship with God came crashing down. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Now, if you noticed earlier, God, the verse I read earlier, God spoke to Moses and the people you brought out. Now, God knew that Moses didn't bring them out. It was him. God brought them out. But what he was doing, he was echoing the attitude of the people. The people said, Moses brought us out. It wasn't Moses that brought you out. It was God that brought you out. It wasn't your pastor that saved you. It wasn't your pastor that healed you. It wasn't your pastor that redeemed you. It wasn't your pastor that died for you. Jesus Christ did all of those things for you. He's the one that brought you out. And what we're going to have to figure out in this time is, what is our connection to God? Because those people, they had feared their connection to God had been taken away. With our ability to, to assemble together having been taken away for a time, have you found your connection to God broken? Has your connection to God been taken away? If you're struggling with that, it could be that you didn't have a direct connection to Him. I'm not trying to judge you and make you feel bad, but what I'm telling you is you need to rebuild that connection. Because God never desired to let, leave those people without that direction. Even when, when Moses had gone up into the mountain, he had left the people with clear direction. So the Lord, in chapter 24 of Exodus, the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mountain. And be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. Bible quizzers last year know that very well. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. This is the beginning of what we this read in chapter 32. But verse 14, And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, he said, I'm still leaving direction in your life. Aaron and her... Are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. When you read that verse, it puts Exodus 32 in a whole new light. Because the people came to Aaron. He, when, when Moses went into the mountaintop, he said, I'm going to leave you, Aaron and her. Exodus 32, they came to Aaron and said, we, we feel lost right now. Church has been redefined right now, and how we come together for worship has been redefined. Because that's where a lot of people got their authority. That's where a lot of people got direction, and as well, they should. 
that God has not taken away authority. He's not taken away anointing. He's not taken away direction. We still have that. And it could be that during this time that God is trying to get us to understand more about what that is supposed to be. Because when Moses went up to the mountaintop, he left them there. But that's not the first time that you see those two together. See, the first time that you see those two together is in Exodus chapter number 17. And I realize I'm kind of going long tonight, but Exodus 17, I mean, they're just a few weeks away from being slaves. A lot of times you've got to read the Word of God in context to understand things. They're, they're just now coming out of the land of Egypt. These are people that don't know how to fight. They're not soldiers. They're slaves. And Exodus 17, verse 8 says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses had said unto him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And if you've read the story, you're familiar with it. And so what happened is Moses got tired, and he sat down on the stone. They got him a stone, let him sit there, and he kept his hands up, but on one side was Aaron, and on the other side was her. Now, I don't think this was any mistake, because you look at Aaron Aaron represented the Levites. He represented the priesthood. He represented the anointing. And in New Testament, we understand priesthood is not the ministry, necessarily. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The priesthood became the priesthood when the oil was poured on them. You become the priesthood when the oil of the Holy Ghost is poured out on you. Priesthood handles those anointed things. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, you can handle anointed things. That's what the priesthood is. That makes some people uncomfortable because I, I'm not destroying uh, submission and authority. Those, those are different things. But you've got, you've got priesthood in Aaron, but her, her, to understand who her was and what's powerful about it, you've got to look at Exodus chapter 31. The Lord is speaking to Moses, and, and he tells Moses this. He said, I'm going to choose someone, and I'm going to use this person, and they're literally going to be over the building of the tabernacle. They're of the tribe of Judah, and it was the grandson of Hur. The grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, was over the building of the tabernacle. If you understand biblical names, you know that Judah means praise. Literally, praise, the tribe of praise, built the tabernacle. That puts really into context Psalms 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. It was literally praises of the tribe of Judah that built the tabernacle where God would dwell. But back to Aaron and Hur. Back to Aaron and Hur. What you have, you had anointing. If I had time, I'd talk about when anointing and worship come together, you prevail. There is no weapon that can 
that is formed against you that can prosper. Why? Because as a child of God, if you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've got anointing, and nobody can take your praise. So in these times, you've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you've got the power of worship. And that will allow you to prevail against any enemy. It will allow you to prevail over anything that comes your way. And God, even though we're not able to come together now, God has left things in our lives. He's given us the home. He's given us heads of the home. If you're a head of a home, you have an anointing over your family. You're to use those things during this time. Because there's people that are looking for answers. And if you've got that anointing, if you've got that, that power of the Holy Ghost, you've got what it takes to get through this time. There are a lot of people that are struggling, and they don't know what they're going to do. But if you've got the Holy Ghost, you're going to get through this. Let me tell you that. And I don't think it's any mistake that when you get to Exodus chapter 32, you find something missing. They come to Aaron, but her is nowhere to be found. Anointing by itself is not enough. Pastor, are you saying that the Holy Ghost by itself is not enough? What I am telling you is if you leave the Holy Ghost to stagnate, it's not enough. To enjoy the true power that God has given you, you've got to take the power of the Holy Ghost and you've got to mix it with praise and worship. Even in your home, you've got to have praise and worship. Those two complement each other. You activate the power of the Holy Ghost through your worship. When anointing and worship work together, the children of Israel prevailed. Exodus 32, when they fell into idolatry, when they fell into idolatry, worship was nowhere to be found. You will worship something, but worship is free choice, and you will choose what it is that you worship. Make sure that your anointing and worship are together. Because while we're learning that lesson of divine delay, if we don't learn it, guess what we do? We make the lesson longer. Because what happened after that was Moses had to go back up into the mountain for another 40 days. Now understand, he came down in power, but he went back up to the mountain for another 40 days that could have been avoided if the children of Israel had just held on to the worship. So during this trying time, when you can't come to the house of God like you want to, you still have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you've still got your worship. Make sure that those two are together. Again, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that equips us and brings us through. Lord, help us to understand, though, the significance and power of worship and praise in our daily life, that it will bring us through any trial, any trouble, any tribulation. Lord, let us hold fast that which is good. In Jesus' name, we pray. Pray that you've been blessed tonight. Thank you for joining us. Be safe and be blessed this week.